Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Good morning, good morning, good morning, and welcome to Off the Bench presented by United Dairy Farmers. I'm Tom Brenneman. Delighted to have our producers today, Casey McAllister. And sitting in today, the very famous Reed Mouse. How are we doing today, gentlemen? Everybody all right? Nice to have you, Reed. Right, right. The Nielsen ratings came in, and <laughs> they said we were doing really bad in the 25 to 45 women department, so that's why they brought me in. Really? Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. I had someone tell me yesterday that we're doing very well in the women's department, that we need to do better in the men's area. So, well, in other words, you're not bringing much to the program if that's the case. Well, that's because your looks, Tom. That's, yeah, that's there's r- no question. Right. Face made for radio. Uh, we got a lot going on here today, and thanks for being with us. I'm really excited about the show, and we're going to get to James Rapine on the Bengals here in, in a matter of seconds. But um, we're also going to get a preview. I'm not going to call him the Zim Hooday uh, of Kansas City, but the same sort of vein. Enormous following with the, uh, the fan base and all that kind of thing. The Chiefs play, the Chargers. We'll get into that a little bit later on. Tracy Jones is back. Uh, after falling down, breaking his nose, he's been in bad shape the last few days. I can't wait to see what he looks like today. And then we have Chuck Martin, head coach at Miami University Football. Some of you may not know this guy is a fascinating story, uh, which we'll get to later on, but kind enough to have him join the program. But everybody's talking about the big game on Sunday. T-minus four days and counting, 425 kick on CBS. That means it's a big game with Jim Nance and Tony Romo and all that kind of thing. But uh, nobody knows more about what's going on with the Bengals than our main man, James Rapine. James, good morning, sir. How's everything with you? Okay, well, uh, we, we don't hear James right now. Yeah, we'll, we'll come back to him in okay, just a second. we'll come back in a second. Okay, we'll get to James here in a second. He's busy down there at uh, – it looks like he's at home right now, but he's on his way to Paycor, so that's why we jump him on uh, right out of the gate. And we'll get to James here in a second. Um, you know, but you look at uh, this game, and we know that Dak Prescott is not playing. He injured his thumb, which – required surgery and so they're not putting him on injury reserve because if you go on there you got to be on for at least six weeks the doctors say roughly six weeks is how long it's going to take for him to heal and get back and, and have a chance to play but Jerry Jones the owner the general manager all that kind of thing of the Dallas Cowboys believes that Dak Prescott is a quick healer so Jerry Jones is saying four weeks the guy replacing him is Cooper Rush. Who is Cooper Rush? Well, he's 28 years old. He went to Central Michigan. He signed with the Cowboys in 2017. He left for a short time with the Giants, and then he came back. He's played in 11 total games in the NFL. He's only made one start, and that was a year ago, week eight for an injured Prescott against the Minnesota Vikings. That was a loss. He threw two touchdowns and an interception. He almost brought him back 
for the win. And then he threw a pick uh, down in the end zone in the final moments, sealing the victory for the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, we got James Dowd in yet? Okay, keep going. We'll do that. I think we have it. I think. Let's try it. All right, James. Do we think we have you now? I hope so. I there hope we so. go. There we go. <laughs> How you doing, man? I'm good. How are you? Uh, good. You, know, you look to me. I've been, I've been meaning to ask you because I don't come down there to the – I mean, you look like you're like a really fit dude. Are you like some <laughs> workout guy? I mean, you were talking about Burrow a couple of weeks ago. I heard you on the radio and all the shakes and all this kind of stuff. Is that your program too, all that kind of thing? Not the mass gainers like Burrow, because unfortunately, I'm not trying to, to necessarily add weight. Yeah. He doesn't. He has a gift that all of us want, right, of just being lean naturally. But uh, no, I, I do try to, to work out a bit, no doubt. All right. All right. You're always working out <laughs> down there at uh, Paycor. What, what, what's, what's the vibe? You know, they come off the loss. We've talked a lot about mm -hmm. it, uh, all kinds of things. But they're, they're back at it in practice. Weather's been great. What's the vibe down there the last couple of days? They're not panicking. You know, they're not – all of the the outside talk, and I, I think you could see it in, in Joe Burrow's Wednesday press conference, asking about the interceptions and all of those things. And it's not an arrogance, but he's kind of like a, guys, I'm not going to make this those mistakes again. I don't know why I made some of those throws, and I, I think he would admit that. But I, I think he's going to correct it, and – this Bengals team, they are confident. I wouldn't say cocky, but the veterans aren't panicking after what should have been a win against Pittsburgh. And I think they're confident they can go to Dallas, get a win, and right the ship, and everyone feels good again at one and one. I want to talk to you a little bit about Dallas. Uh, I just mentioned before you mm -hmm. came on, we know about Dak Prescott. He has a surgery. He's not going to play. Now it's uh, Cooper Rush. What are the challenges that he presents as a quarterback, I mentioned he's only played in 11 games, and that includes uh, mm -hmm. coming in, you know, late after Prescott got hurt. He had only played in 10 games going all the way back to 2017. I think the, the main thing, and Zach Taylor talked about it on Wednesday, the fact that he's comfortable in this system. He's been in this system, Kellen Moore's offense, for quite some time now. And so I don't think the offense, the Cowboys' offense, is going to look much different. Now, the ceiling certainly drops when you go from a Dak Prescott to a Cooper Rush, but that goes without saying. But there's, they should still be able to operate and, and do a lot of the, the same concepts. And so I, I think that's the part of it that the Bengals need to be ready for. At the same time, this isn't the old Cowboys offense, where the offensive line is awesome, and Zeke Elliott is an all-pro, and they have all these weapons all over the field. Really, it's CeeDee Lamb, Dalton Schultz, who, unless you play fantasy football, you might not even know. He's the Cowboys' tight end. Mm -hmm. And that's about it from a, a weapon standpoint. So they were already limited offensively with Dak Prescott at quarterback. But Cooper Rush is, is someone that they do have film on. It's not a, um, a Mike White situation last year right. where he comes in out of nowhere and, and, and shocks the world and throws for 400 on this Bengals defense. They have film. They can prepare for him. So I, I think they'll be ready. But, yeah, Cooper Rush is, is certainly a – a capable backup in this league. Um, from a defensive standpoint, talking about the Cowboys, uh, that defense played pretty well on Sunday night. Yeah. Uh, now, now, Tom Brady uh, and the, the Bucks were missing some guys and, and all that kind of thing. I, I sure hope the Godwin kid can come back and get healthy again because he is one hell of a player. But that's neither here nor there for this week. Um, 
But, but talking about their defense, where are their strengths on the defensive side, and where are their areas that the Bengals, at least on paper, think they can exploit? Well, it starts with Micah Parsons. It probably starts there and ends there. He's the guy that can completely wreck the game. Normally, we'd say a quarterback or a receiver or something like that, but he's TJ Watt-esque, if you, if you want to call him that. But the difference with Parsons is he's able to move all across that defensive line. So Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn, he's going to scan this Bengals offensive line, and I'm sure he's going to say, all right, we're going to test Lyle Collins. We're also going to move Parsons across and test Jonah Williams because he struggled with Alex Highsmith. And, oh, a fourth-round rookie out of North Dakota State and Cordell Volson, we're going to get him one-on-one with Micah Parsons in space. So good luck because Parsons, he wins with speed, he wins with power, had two sacks on Tom Brady last week and really made it tough on any third and longs for the Buccaneers offense. So that is the guy I'm watching in, out, all around. Trayvon Diggs is another player that uh, a lot of people Mm -hmm. are going to mention, the cornerback. And he's just a turnover machine. But, you know, he's he's got a a way about him, uh, a nose for the football. He'll take risks. And that's the important part, especially early in this game. I think the Bengals, obviously, they can't turn the ball over like they did last week. But if they could give Burrow enough time to, to maybe a double move to chase or something like that, get Diggs to bite then I think you can get up early. And that's a, a big key to me. Can they get off to a quick start against a Cowboys team that is beat up and is reeling after just one game? Um, the whole Collins thing, he was a really good player for the Cowboys for a long time. Part of what you mentioned a moment ago, what once was three or four years ago, the best offensive line in the NFL. And he was a part of that, or offensive line in the NFL. And he was a part of that. They had all those first-round picks up and down the line and so forth. Um, has he had a chance to talk at all about what this game might mean to him going back to play against the Dallas Cowboys? We tried to get him yesterday, and it, it did not work out. So hoping to, to chat with him today about it. But I know it matters to him. And just, just talking to him and knowing how it ended in Dallas and the questions about him, and even now some of the, the questions that people are asking you know, because he didn't practice much during camp. I think that this is a big game. Even though when you went back and watched, I thought he was better than people mm-hmm. initially thought, including me initially thought, against the Steelers. This is a chance for him to show everyone, including the Cowboys, that he's still one of the better, you know, high-end right tackles in the NFL. He's gotten a ton of reps now. He should be good to go. And like I said, he's going to be going up at least somewhat against a Micah Parsons, and they also have – Um, Lawrence as well, who's a really good pass rusher. So they've got some guys that can get after Burrow. Um, One follow-up to that. I saw the headline, and I did not read the article. I meant to get back and check it out, where Jerry Jones was asked about Collins, and Jones Mm -hmm. made the comment, tell me if you've read this, maybe you have, maybe you haven't, that he went back and watched every play of Collins in the season opening game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Did you see that story? And if you did, what was that all about? Because like I said, I didn't have a chance to read the whole thing. Wow. I I did not see that. I must have gotten lost in the shuffle for me. I'm going to check it out. So instant reaction. One, I think the the former Bengals that were in Dallas, so Chidobe Awuzie and Lyle Collins, I think they're excited to have an owner that doesn't talk after every game. 
So I'll throw that one out there. Well, you know, it's uh, funny second you say that. Is, you can go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I want to hear the second part. Yeah. It, the second part is Dallas could really use, at least on paper, a guy like Lyle Collins. So saying that, Jones is probably like, man, we, we've had offensive line issues. Did we make the right call here? And so that's probably why he went back and, and watched. He's, he's kind of snooping on his ex, so to speak, yeah, to see if, right. you know, how things are going. <laughs> Well, you know, he it's it's so funny, James, you bring that up because uh, Brian Billick, who is a regular on this show, talking about the NFL, um, when he and I worked together doing games at Fox, he, he would talk all the time, and this is going back a number of years ago, uh, about the whole um, uh, scene, for lack of a better word, um, after a Dallas Cowboys game that it really doesn't seem to matter what the coach has to say after a game because Jerry Jones, as you just pointed out, unlike Mike Brown, we know, mm -hmm. Jerry Jones is a general manager, and he talks after every game. And more times than not, um, he's saying a lot of things that provide food for fodder, right, as far as the talk shows go mm -hmm. and as far as the team goes and as far as the fan base goes. He's the guy after every game, more than the coach, more than the quarterback, more than Parsons, more than any of them. And, and you know, Brian has speculated that, that that is very difficult for players who play there. Mm -hmm. I think so, 100%. I mean, could you imagine, you know, it's emotional. Winning and losing is emotional. Guess what? The Bengals weren't happy when they lost the other day. And I'm sure Mike Brown was just as upset as anyone. So if you're talking uh, to the media after every game, it's, it's just one of those things. Would I do it if I was an NFL owner? No, probably never going to be an NFL owner, so I don't have to worry about it. But, yeah, I, I also think Jerry loves to, uh, to make headlines and stir the pot and be in the news and be on all of the, the sports talk shows. But that is hard on a culture. That is hard on a team when the, the standard is winning a Super Bowl. And, you know, most people haven't seen that in the Cowboys that are what 25 and under. And if you're 30 and under, you don't remember it either. Right. So yep. yeah, it's uh, it, it's quite a different time right now, especially because the Cowboys kind of stripped down the roster this off season, traded Amari Cooper, didn't resign Randy Gregory, obviously Lyle Collins is gone. So this isn't the, the Super Bowl contender that they were maybe a few years ago. I don't even know if they were a Super Bowl contender. I, I know they had a good year, but it just seems like that 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 that, that, that it is so dysfunctional down there. I mean, it's cool yeah. to go there, to go there and broadcast a game. There's Jerry Jones during practice walking up and down the sideline, and you know Dak Prescott running around, and and all these other stars and so on and so forth. Then you walk in that. Have you been to the stadium yet, by the way, James? I have not, so I'm excited to get down there, dude. The place is unbelievable. I mean, I'm going to compare um, it to SoFi because we got to go to SoFi for Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah see, I've not been there. Does, does SoFi have the big, um, uh, I mean, the huge uh, scoreboard there in the middle where you're sitting in the stands and it's like watching it on TV in your living room? It it does not not to the same extent, um, and I actually think it's it's more subtle with the way they have it. And so, just seeing pictures and stuff of Jerry World, as we call it. Um, I, I think I'm going to prefer SoFi, but we'll see. I'm, I'm going to go in with a, a clean okay. slate here and see what I think. Cause okay. I've, I've heard great things about AT&T State. Well, well, the cool thing about it is I remember a couple of times I've done it, I was having the chance to, to, to sit in for Joe Buck and, and, and when he was doing the World Series and working with Troy Aikman. And of course, you walk around Dallas with Troy Aikman. It's like, uh, 
All right. But 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 that when it's the late game and Dallas seemingly through the years is always at 425 kick uh, on Fox or CBS or whatever. Um, and so they put on a one o'clock game on the, on the big screen. So it doesn't matter what side of the stadium you're on. It, th- this thing is so mammoth. I think it runs from like the 20 to the 20. It is so mammoth. You can't see the upper deck on the other side of the stadium. And, and, and this screen is so crystal clear, and, and you're just sitting there locked in watching the 1 o'clock game uh, while you're allegedly getting ready to watch the, the Cowboys and the Bengals this week. Um, end of the day, Bengals go down there like Joe Burrow suggests. They're ready to go. Uh, they come out with a victory in Dallas on Sunday. They better. They better. This is a team they should beat. Even if Dak Prescott was the quarterback, I would be saying that. This, this Bengals team needs to get a win, and it is only week two, but you can't lose to Cooper Rush and the Cowboys if you want to be mentioned among the Chiefs, among the Bills, among teams like that, these AFC contenders. And that's where the Bengals want to be. I think that's the, their talent level. And so we'll see on Sunday if they get it done. But yeah, certainly that's uh, their favorite again for the second straight week. I think they should be, and they need to go down there, play turnover free, and create a couple big plays, and get out of Jerry World with a win. All right, uh, one thing I forgot to ask you about, um, an update on T. Higgins. Do you think he plays on Sunday? Feels like it's leaning that way. He was able to, to practice some individual drills, not team stuff, but he was there for the initial install on the field, which is a good sign, put his helmet on. And, uh, yeah, I, I think he's trending in that right direction. The problem is – you know how concussion protocol yeah. is. It's it's one of those things where it could hold him back. But I, I do know that he's checked the boxes that he's needed to check up to this point. So if I had to guess, I would say he plays, which would obviously give this offense a huge boost. Yeah, I mean, they really missed him when he went down um, last week. You know, sometimes they don't necessarily throw a penalty flag in a game, James. And then the league comes mm-hmm. back a number of days later and they'll fine a guy or something along those lines. Was there any aftermath on that hit, clearly helmet to helmet, uh, on Higgins in the Pittsburgh game? I haven't seen anything yet. Sometimes those fines come down on, I believe it's Saturday before. Some of them come out, you know, like officially. So we'll see. But I agree with you. I I thought it was a penalty in real time. I was surprised it didn't get called. Yeah. I mean, I – they make the player safety thing, and, 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 and they, they talk over and over and over about it, and I think by and large they've done a good job, but they can't miss. And I understand the officials are not perfect. I never get on them. I never blame them for a win or a loss on a team you're rooting for and that kind of thing. I understand fans who do. Um, but I just don't know how on things like that you miss it. I, I mean – that was a serious blow, helmet to helmet, on a player for the whole world to see. And uh, no penalty flag. The guy's knocked out of the game. And like you said, maybe the league will hand down some kind of fine. But at the end of the day, that, 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 you're, you're not correcting the mistake by a fine. Anyway. All right, James, you're traveling that, that player to Dallas. Win. What's that? Uh uh, on on Friday, but th- that player would say it's worth it though because yeah. if T Higgins is out there, I think the Bengals win. <laughs> you know, I think that mattered a lot. 
It does, man. And that's the so. point, I guess, I, I did not make well enough is that, it, 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 you know, by that point, it's water under the bridge. Uh, you, you can't change anything. It for sure, as you point out, uh, had an effect perhaps on the outcome of the game. And yet, if you're that player, you took that shot, you take that fine. And like you said, for Tomlin and Steelers, it's well worth it. All right, that's old news. Off to Dallas. Safe travels, my friend. Godspeed ahead, and we'll catch up with you next week. Sounds good. I appreciate you having me. Thanks, James. James Rapine. Uh, everything Cincinnati Bengals for Sports Illustrated. He's all over it down there morning, noon, and night. And uh, his podcast, All Bengals, is fantastic. Uh, the guy is really on his game. So what we're going to do is uh, take a break. We'll give you some of the other headlines and storylines going on in the world of sports. That and more coming up next. Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. Stay with us. All righty, we're back. Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. Got my United Dairy Farmers uh, water here. I went in last night and went in to get a chocolate malt. I... If there's one of the great, great traditions at United Dairy Farmers, it is that chocolate malt. Those eggs are just insane. But I, I got to tell you, have, have you tried this new ice cream they have out? It's called Main, Main Street, Main Avenue. I'm not sure what it is, but it, it's a new ice cream that they just released, a new brand, and they have about seven different flavors. It is the most incredible ice cream I've ever had in my life. Butter pecan, insane. All right, what else is happening in the world of sports? Week two gets cranked up tonight in a big way. There are people that are already calling this the game of the year in week two of the NFL season. The L.A. Chargers are going to the Kansas City Chiefs. It's interesting that the team split their season series a year ago and that the road team won each game. Now, maybe in L.A. that's not a surprise because you get a lot of visiting fans that come there uh, and root for the opposition rather than for the Chargers or the Rams. It is quite rare for the Kansas City Chiefs to lose at home, which they did last year to the Chargers. We're going to have Matt Lane coming up a little bit later on from the uh, Kansas City Sports Network to talk about this game later on tonight. He's not the Zim Hude. I probably mis misrepresented that a little bit. He's a little more, an more analytical, more along the James Rapine style than Zim Hude, but he's a guy that is joining us. All right, elsewhere in the world of sports, in college football, UC and Miami play for what's called the Victory Bell this weekend at Paycor Stadium. Don't forget. That's at Paycor Stadium. That is a noon kickoff. These two schools have met 125 times, spanning 130 years. Coming up around uh, 11.40, 11.45, we'll be joined today by the Red Hawks head coach, Chuck Martin. Now, look, I I'm going to be honest about this, okay? Uh, I'm an Ohio University guy. Miami is, is our big rival. Here in Cincinnati, we are flooded with news about the University of Cincinnati, rightfully so, talking football here. Uh, and you don't hear a lot about Miami. So guilty as charged, I did not know much about Chuck Martin until getting ready for this show. And this guy, he replaced Brian Kelly 
Now, this might be old news for some of you, okay? He replaced Brian Kelly at Grand Valley State, where, of course, Coach Kelly had won national championships here. He takes over as a head coach in 2004. He's there until 2009. They win two national championships and at one point win 48 games in a row. It ended in a national championship game, that 48-game winning streak. He goes to Notre Dame as an assistant coach from Miami. He's there for three years. His final year, he's offensive coordinator in 2012. And Notre Dame goes undefeated and plays in the college football playoff national championship. A year later, he comes to Miami. He recently just signed a five-year contract extension, and he's got that program on the right track. Great tradition, great history at Miami of Ohio, and it kills me to say that because we've been kicking their tail for a long time. But uh, I have a bad feeling that the tide might be turning on that deal. All right, elsewhere in college football, the Ohio State University Buckeyes get their All-American, the best receiver in college football, Jackson Smith and Jigba, back this week. Remember, he was injured earlier uh, in uh, week one against Notre Dame in the first quarter. Uh, They missed him in that game. Uh, He did not play uh, in the second game, but he will be back this week at the shoe. Toledo comes to town on Saturday night. Youngstown State at number nine, Kentucky. Wildcats got it going on. In tennis, breaking news just moments ago, Roger Federer, one of the great players of all time, has announced his retirement. He's 41 years young. Who wouldn't want to look like that guy when they're 41, right? 41 years young. He has played over 1,500 matches in his career spanning 24 years. He's won 20 Grand Slams, okay? That's the third most all time. And it's interesting, it's third most all time to two of his contemporaries, right? Um, Nadal has the most, I believe it is. And then, uh, how do you pronounce pronounce it? Novak Djokovic? Djokovic, yeah. He's number two. He's going to end up being the guy that wins the most. I think that's safe to say. Lastly, the Reds lost to the Pirates yesterday at Great American Ballpark. Rookie Nick Lodolo. Everybody was talking about Hunter Green, and it might turn out to be Hunter Green is the guy that, you know, everybody talks about as part of the Reds' rotation moving forward. But this Lodolo now, he goes to, he went to TCU, big baseball powerhouse program down there in Fort Worth, Texas. But yesterday became the first Reds pitcher since the great, and boy was he great, Jose Rijo, to have back-to-back starts, strike out 11 batters or more. Lodolo is finishing this season as good as any left-handed pitcher right now in Major League Baseball. He's been that good and huge expectations for him moving forward. The bad news is the Pirates swept the Reds in a four-game series for the first time since Barry Bonds played for the Pirates. Barry Bonds and Bobby Bonilla and Doug Drabeck 
and all those guys in 1991. It's the last time the Pirates came here. So quite a week, boys, if, uh, if you're a Pittsburgh fan of any kind. The Steelers beat the Bengals on Sunday. And then this week, the Pirates sweep the Reds four games in a row. That hurts. Maybe it doesn't hurt you guys. Ryan Mouse and uh, Casey McAllister, any thoughts, any opinions on that? Uh, it hurts a little bit. It hurts a little bit inside. Um, you know, I, uh, me not being a very big baseball guy, it didn't hurt as bad for the baseball side of things. Um, I will always hate Pittsburgh in general just because of the Steelers. But I feel for you Reds fans out there that just got swept by by the Pirates. I mean, the worst team in the National <laughs> League. Yeah, yeah, not good. You know, not you good. know the thing is, is you know, you're talking Nick Lodolo, lefty, right. and you know, first guy since Jose Rea to strike out back to back. Think about all the arms that the Reds have had in the past you know, know. two decades. Johnny Cueto, yeah. um, Aaron Harang was really good for a while. Trevor Bauer won a Cy Young award, and no one's done it since. But if there's any Red that I could have right now. All the young guys, Jonathan yep. India, who won the Rookie of the Year. It's it's Nick Lodolo right there with Tyler Stevenson, and Nick Lodolo is on the field a lot more than Tyler Stevenson at this point in time. There's no doubt about it. Uh, this Lodolo, and they were talking about him after they drafted him, um, that you know everybody's going to follow Hunter Green and all that kind of thing. Uh, but Lodolo looks to be the guy. I'm with you. All right, huge game tonight in the NFL. You know, it's so rare for us to drift off and say anything about baseball anymore, right? I mean, uh, so rare. So forget that. Uh, we're probably done talking. No, we're not done talking baseball today because Tracy Jones is coming on later on. But uh, we're going to take a break. Matt Lane from the Kansas City Sports Network is going to join us to talk about tonight's huge clash in Kansas City, the Chiefs and the Chargers. Stay with us. Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. All right, welcome back. Great to have you with us. Uh, we're getting some, uh, some great stuff on YouTube, and you can follow our show streaming YouTube slash Chatterbox Sports. Uh, a lot of folks dialed in today. Alex says he's enjoying the show and loves having super fans or analysts from other teams. Said it's great content. Well, Alex, thank you, and uh, here you go. We have some more. I asked this. I, I asked Matt Lane from the Kansas City Sports Network uh, yesterday if he's bringing his A game. If the Chiefs are bringing their A game, uh, Matt, welcome to the program. Thanks for being with us. And will the Chiefs have their A game? And does Matt Lane have his A game for off the bench? Oh, I'm definitely bringing my game. And uh, if I can speak for the Chiefs, which I cannot in whatsoever, but I think they will. I think Andy Reid early in the season is going to have his A game, especially for a, a divisional rival here coming off the early week. Matt, walk me through a little bit because when uh, I looked at the Kansas City Chiefs and the Bengals saw them twice last year, including the AFC Championship game, uh, it didn't matter whether it was the games against the Bengals. It, it was against anybody. And, and I have said... I've said this uh, a thousand times. A couple of times I had a chance to do Chiefs games uh, for Fox through the years in Kansas City. The best athlete I have ever seen in my life running around, and this was in a practice field situation, but his body, the way he moved, everything, Tyreek Hill, right? 
How in the world, uh, just from an outsider that's not following it, tell all of us, if you would please, Matt, why he is not a Kansas City Chief anymore? Oh, oh man, that's a, that's a tricky one, I think. At the end of the day, it boils down to, I think, how much money, specifically guaranteed money, that he was looking for versus what the Chiefs front office, what their you know cap department wanted or felt comfortable with giving out to a wide receiver. I think if that number was a little bit lower, if there was a little bit more ability to meet in the middle, there's a very good, ch good chance he was still a Chief. But I think he was looking for a little bit more money than they felt comfortable giving out, specifically guaranteed. And the Chiefs have been pretty fickle with some of their contracts to guys that are getting a little bit older. Not that Tyreek Hill's old, but he's not young anymore. And the Chiefs are a team that does not frequently pay, especially top dollar, guys that start to near 30 years old, at least under their new, under Brett Veach's GM. Okay, so walk me through. He walks out the door. What was a fan reaction to that? <laughs> oh, it, a lot of people, I think, were upset. I think a lot of people were kind of confused, I think, at first. Not so much at the Chiefs for letting it happen. I think just generally upset that they lost. As you said, for most people, you watch Tyreek Hill run around, and I think of people that have been around different sports for a long time just know he moves differently than most, yes. almost anybody else they've yep. ever seen. And you can tell in an instant. Yep. So you're upset to lose that talent. However, I think as time went on, I think the way the Chiefs carried themselves, the fact that they showcased that they had some kind of plan I think eased that tension a little bit, but the initial reaction was definitely just confusion and upset and thinking they're trying to pinch pennies when they don't need to. And so thankfully we've come a little way since then because it was, it was dark times there for about a month right after. Talk about what they did to replace him because I think they've done a really good job. And I'm not surprised because Kansas City uh, as an organization is one of the great organizations in all of professional sports. They did a good job. The first thing they went out and did is that they said, our wider receiver room isn't good enough anymore, right? We know that, we understand it, so we're going to add some bodies. But they didn't just go chasing the next Tyreek Hill. You know, they didn't go out and just try to sign the next fastest guy, somebody to take that exact same role. It looks like they've pivoted and they've kind of brought in a couple bigger bodied wide receivers with Juju Smith-Schuster, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and they're trying to, at least if week one is any indication, play a little bit different style of ball here. They're trying to push the ball over the middle of the field a little bit more, use the size to be a little bit more physical in that wide receiver room. And yeah, they still have McCole Hardman to try to take the top off, but I think they saw that there was a need to transition some of their offensive game plan based on the way teams like the Bengals were able to have success against them last year. Walk me through where Juju is because, you know, a lot of Bengals fans uh, saw him uh, when healthy through the years with the Pittsburgh Steelers, I, I, I think this guy is a great player. When he's healthy, um, I, I just think he's tough. He, he comes to play. He doesn't back down. But he's been seriously hurt. Where is he now from a health standpoint with Kansas City? That's the trickiest part with him because I'm with you. I think from what we've seen from him in Pittsburgh when healthy or this brief glimpse we've got of him here in Kansas City, he looked really good. He looked in tune with what Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs were wanting out of him, and it looked really good. The problem is he missed some time during the last part of training camp with the knee injury. He's missed, I believe, a good chunk of three different seasons so far in the NFL. So you can't rely on his health moving forward. And I do think if he is a little dinged up as the year goes on, it does make a pretty big impact. So the Chiefs are betting on his health a little bit, and I think that's kind of why he ended up with a a contract that I don't think reflects his talent level at all in the offseason was because there are health concerns about him through multiple different teams. 
Oh, we're talking with Matt Lane from the Kansas City Sports Network, kind enough to join us. And uh, defensively, uh, you talked about how, you know, there, there were times, especially in big moments uh, last year, where that Kansas City defense uh, got exposed. I mean, every defense is going to have those issues, but, you know, they, they clearly come under a, an enormous microscope when they happen in moments where you can't allow them to happen. Defensively overall, what are your thoughts of this Kansas City defense in 2022? They're going to be faster and more physical. And I think that was part of the issue last year was it was a little bit more of a veteran defense, but they were still blowing some coverages. They were still making some mental mistakes that you wouldn't expect guys that have been in this Steve Spagnuolo defensive system for three years to make. So if they're going to do that and not be the most athletic bunch, what exactly are you getting out of them? So I think this year the overhaul has been they're playing a bunch of young guys. They brought in some new bodies, but they're a little bit more athletic there on the defensive end. So if they're going to make these same mental errors, at least they'll make them fast. At least they'll be explosive and be physical in return. So it's only one game so far against an injury-depleted Cardinals team, but I think that athleticism, that physicality showed up there in the first week, and I think that's something they're going to try to lean into as the season goes on is just being younger and being this kind of athletic defense rather than a defense trying to win purely on their execution. Um, Patrick Mahomes, um, some would say, is the best quarterback in the game. I don't know how you could argue that. Uh, there are other guys perhaps you could make an argument for, but since Mahomes has come into the league, he has just been beyond description. Um, a guy like him, uh, I, I've only been around him a couple of times. You see him regularly uh, down there uh, covering the Chiefs. What kind, of, what, what kind of guy is he? You know, here in Cincinnati, Burrow, uh, you know, they call him, you know, Joe Cool and all these kinds of things and, you know, the dress and the sunglasses and all that. But he is a very serious guy. Much like I liken Burrow a lot to Tom Brady. I, I think that, you know, it's just locked in all the time, all football, all quarterback, so on and so forth. Mahomes is a guy you see getting a lot of national pub, doing a lot of national advertisements for different companies, rightfully so. He seems like he'd be a great spokesperson as far as a human being is concerned. What kind of dude is he? Everything we've seen from him so far at this point is it's in the similar way that you're kind of describing a Brady or a Burrow. And it, it is very businesslike on everything that he does. And now with the way the world's kind of trending, yes, he's getting all these sponsorships and he's getting into Fortnite and stuff like that. But I think at the end of the day, he goes home and you don't catch glimpses of him out, you know, late night partying with a bunch of other players or anything like that. Not that there's anything wrong with it. It's just he's got his family at home. He likes to spend time with them when he has free time. He's constantly working on football stuff in the offseason. I mean, he brings a bunch of receivers down to Texas where he lives in the offseason so they can work out and kind of get in rhythm with one another down there throughout the summer and stuff like that. So he's locked into football. And then beyond that, it just he seems like a genuinely good person. We don't know athletes personally sure. anymore. I mean, they can, and we don't have the right necessarily to do that. But from everything you can see from people that have met him, from the way he carries himself, I do think he's genuinely a good person. I think that makes it really easy for the Chiefs and then teammates to kind of believe in him and offer him a 10-year contract in which they're just kind of like, nope, we know you're going to do the right thing for the next you know, decade, and we know that's going to be okay. 
Yeah, Bengals are facing that uh, in the not-too-distant future with Burrow, and no doubt they will uh, do the same thing that Kansas City did with uh, Patrick Mahomes. I don't think there's any question about that. Tonight, I mean, the town's got to be jumping, right? Thursday night, huge divisional game. Um, I read on the Athletic website, I think it was, that, 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 that some people are, are second week of the season saying this is a game of the year. But it's got to feel like it, I would imagine, in Kansas City, right? This is a big game. Oh, absolutely. And the Chargers beat the Chiefs last year. They pushed them to the brink in the second game last year. So, like, this is the game that if you're finally going to see the AFC West page turn, this is, like, the week that everybody wants to start talking about it happening. And now, I do think it's big, and for fans especially, this is a huge game. I would think that with Andy Reid and just his experience, knowing how long he's been around the NFL, he's probably trying to keep his players a little bit more calm, saying, hey, there's a lot of football left after this. Losing this game, I mean, looked at them last year, losing to the Chargers and the Bills earlier in the season. You know, he's going to have his foot on the right uh, buttons here to say this game, it does not end your season. But I think from a fan perspective and from all of us trying to get back into the NFL season right now, I, I don't know how you could get a much bigger game going from Monday night football with Russell Wilson's return to Seattle, followed directly by the matchup of, you know, two of the three most exciting quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Um I read where some some comments were made about the turf at Arizona, where uh, the season opener, Kansas, Kansas City goes in there and just annihilates uh, the Cardinals. Uh, Mahomes, I think it was five touchdown passes, if I'm not mistaken, in that game. Um, wh where is Kansas City on the injury front? Anything to be concerned about for the game tonight? Yeah, so Harrison Bucker, their kicker, is going to miss this game. Um, he The grass field, kind of the turf that they lay down, slid out from under him on his very first extra point attempt, and he hurt his ankle pretty bad. So he's going to be out. They've already added a kicker to the practice squad to bring up. First-round draft pick at cornerback Trent McDuffie, who was playing really well before his injury. He got injured early in the second half. He's been placed on IR right now, so he'll be out. And then the last big injury is... Trey Smith, you know, left the game early, the starting right guard. He is, at this point, I think, questionable or probable to play. He did practice this week, so he looks like he's going to give it a go. But they did come out of, you know, the Arizona with a few injuries, and a couple of those, at least, Andy Reid did credit that he thinks the field played at least some role in it. That's interesting. But, but those are big, significant injuries. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, when, when you look at a team, especially their kicker, that guy is a weapon. Uh, and has won a lot of big games for them uh, since he's come to Kansas City. So, I mean, safe to say in week two, these are pretty significant. They are. And that kicker injury especially because they brought in Matty Amendola who they've signed to their practice squad. And it's a second-year kicker, and kicker's such a mental uh, position that this could flip on a dime. But you're looking through just even his college stats and going back to just seeing some of his kicks last year with the Jets, he doesn't have the same leg that Harrison Bucker has. And that's been a big part of what the Chiefs are able to do is if they need to kick a 55-yarder field goal at the end of the game or at the end of half to get points on the board, they have the utmost trust in Bucker to do that. And now you're bringing the guy that has, doesn't have that same level of success or pedigree to kick those same longer field goals. So it's just, it'll be something to monitor. Will this turn Andy Reid a little bit more aggressive on fourth down situations and that area where you'd be kicking long field goal? There could be major impacts based on this one because they really do trust Bucker with everything. I don't know if they'll have that same trust in the guy they're just bringing on board right now. See, that's why you watch off the bench. I mean, th that's the kind of information you're a fan uh, and most of our viewers, uh, I shouldn't say most, I don't know for sure, uh, are in and around Cincinnati. But um, everybody's going to be watching that game tonight. 
if you're a football fan. All right, if, if, there's, if there's one thing, Matt Lane, where as a, a guy who follows the team and, and knows both of these teams, um, is, there, is there one thing that you would be keeping an eye on? Outside of what I thought you, you just made was a phenomenal point on, on Andy Reid and what he does now going forward tonight on fourth down, perhaps. But is there any area where you say to yourself, okay, if I'm Kansas City, I know I can do this. Or if I'm Kansas City, I'm worried about them doing that. What would it be? What would they be? I think there's there's two big things, at least from the Chiefs' offensive side, that jumped out to me kind of immediately. Is first, how are you going to handle Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa? Like that's one of the better edge rushing duos in the entire NFL right now, and they had a good amount of success versus the Raiders. I think the Chiefs are a little bit better at offensive tackle than the Raiders are, but I wouldn't say it's their strongest position group. Their interior of their offensive line, I think, is definitely better than the tackles. So that's one area that could kind of come into play especially if the Chiefs and Mahomes are forced to hold the ball longer than they did versus Arizona. But that kind of parlays into the next point. The Chiefs were really good throwing the ball over the middle of the field versus Arizona. And part of that was maybe the Cardinals' game plan to, for some reason, blitz Mahomes on like 50% of the plays. The Chargers, though, versus the Raiders were kind of weak over the middle of the field. So can the Chiefs find that space passing over the middle of the field before that edge rush duo gets home, I think that's a little bit of the cat and mouse game that could really dictate a lot of how this game's going to go. It's great stuff, Matt Lane. Uh, I asked you uh, if you were bringing your A game, and I got to tell you, you brought your A game, my man. You brought oh, your A game. Thank you. You'll be thank there you. tonight, right? Stupid question, but you'll be there tonight. Well, I'm actually from North Carolina, so I couldn't make you the trip. You gotta out be kidding to me. I didn't know that. I couldn't that. make the trip. Yeah, yeah. I live in I live in North Carolina now. I moved out here from Kansas City a couple of years ago, so I couldn't quite make it back to this game. I had to pick and choose my big game, so I'm not making it back until the Bills game, the, the next okay. huge, huge game they play in the, early in the year. Where are you in North Carolina? Um, just outside of Greensboro, so yeah, living out here on the a, East Coast now. That's a great place. State of North Carolina is an awesome, awesome place. But you're following everything that's Kansas City sports, right? Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. I, with KC Sports Network, we don't even just do Chiefs. We got Royals. We got all the local colleges with the Missouri, K-State, Kansas. We got All right, let me ask you a related. question. Let me oh. ask you a question okay. while, I, while I have you on, okay? Because as a guy, this guy is an awesome guy, okay? I, let me just say straight up, as far as just to talk to, there's not a nicer guy in the world than Bill Self. And he is yeah. a great basketball coach. But... You know, all, all these different investigations and things that were going on, and I'm sorry to throw you on the spot on this, and maybe you're not uh, you're totally good. in tune with it. But, I mean, you know, the hammer is going to come down to some extent on Sean Miller, who just left Arizona, and now he's back here at Xavier in Cincinnati. Everybody tells me he's he is going to face some kind of suspension. Now, I know the circumstances were a little bit different, but they're also a little bit similar. Do you think there's anything like that coming down at Kansas sooner or later? This, this is hard for me because I grew up a Missouri fan. So I grew up anti-Kansas, <laughs> anti-Bill Self. So I want to say, yes, please. However, if I have seen anything through the NCAA through the years, whether it's basketball, football, whatever it may be, when teams and specific people can bring in money and a lot of that comes with success and ratings and stuff like that, things get a little lost in, in sometimes. So if, I don't know, it kind of depends on if they think they can make an example that will matter more than what Bill Self is bringing to the game of basketball and, you know, from Kansas at NCAA level. So I don't know. 
I wouldn't be surprised if it's not just a little bit of a slap on the wrist given who he is, but the the old Missouri fan in me is definitely saying, please go ahead and do it just to see them, you know, work through it for a little bit. Well, he runs a great – I mean, there you don't even have to say it. That's a big league operation, and, and I'm with you on it that. Uh, it is very selective. It seems to be very selective uh, about what programs the NCAA goes after, if you will, as opposed to those that they don't. So – Matt Lane, thanks so much, and uh, thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me on, Tom. Anytime, I greatly appreciate it, and you're doing a great job, man. Man, I appreciate that very much. Matt Lane, kind enough to join us from the Kansas City Sports Network. You know, you wrestle when you do a show like this. i got to be honest, and we're only starting our second week. You know, you don't know sometimes um, if people care much about a, a game like tonight. Kansas City and the Chargers. Yeah, if you're a football fan, you love it. But do you really want to have a guest on a show like this from Kansas City, from L.A., whatever it might be? Um, and I'm glad to see, based on a lot of these comments we are getting on YouTube, that uh, a lot of you are really enjoying it uh, and hearing some conversations, and, and especially the, 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 the Tyree Kill uh, conversation. Same thing with Von Miller. Uh, Jordan, thank you for pointing that out. And uh, Dustin and so many others. Uh, this is great stuff. Uh, our favorite guy on the program, um, outside of my dad, I got to say my dad, number one, because w with him, you never know what's going to happen. But uh, Tracy Jones, quite similar. Uh, I mentioned the other day he, he had an accident at home, so I, I'm being very serious. I want to see if he's doing all right. He said he's going to come on, so we're going to take a break, and we're going to have Tracy Jones on the program. You're watching Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. United Dairy Farmers brings you Off the Bench. It's great to have you with us. I'm Tom Brenneman. We're with you for another hour. Uh, we've been talking the last couple of days about Tracy Jones uh, and, and, and having a fall, but I want to hear it directly from you, Tracy. Uh, welcome back to the program. Uh, you couldn't join us on Tuesday. What happened? I'm being serious about this now because I know you yeah. like jacking around and having fun, but I can just tell by looking at you. I mean, you're beat up, cut up, bruised up. Yeah. Did you break your nose? What'd you do? Well, what here, happened? Here's, here, here's the deal, Tom. I'm looking right now. I look absolutely horrible. Just absolutely horrible. I, I wouldn't Actually, say that. I wouldn't well, say that. Know, here's the deal. Let me ask you this. A pretty boy like yourself, <laughs> oh, a yeah. network guy, would you ever go on camera looking like this? Look at this. That nose is broke. I know it's a big nose, but it's broke. This, this tip of my nose. Could uh, you tell me how that happened? Well, let, let me set you up just as far as, as my wife and I. Um, I got up well, at be, 6 Be very careful here about you. I mean, you know, be very careful. Yeah, I don't care. I've been through a divorce once. It's not a big deal. another <laughs> Love my wife. But six o'clock, I work, uh, I wake up, right? Right. And uh, my wife comes into the office, says, well, what are you doing? And I said, I'm getting ready for off the bench with Tom. She says, Trace, you can't, you can't go on Tom's show looking like that. I mean, you're a radio guy. He's a network guy, like I, like I yeah. said. Yeah. And it's kind of embarrassing because you guys sent over the makeup crew right early yep, this morning trying to we work did. on this face. Yeah. 
Um, so my wife says, you can't go looking like that on that show. And I turned to Danae and I said, Danae, the show must go on. I don't know if you've ever heard that saying, Tom. And she looked right at me and she says, you are such a gamer. That's why I love you. How about that, Tom? Listen, I believe everything that you just said until the part where she, where she said, you're a gamer. That's why I love you. I don't believe that happened. Well, you know, it's funny. Is people say you're a lousy baseball player. You were lousy on the radio. But one thing I was, was a gamer. And I do want to yes. apologize. I, I want to apologize for not being on the show Tuesday. Tom, I took a terrible, terrible fall. Yeah, tell and me, tell I, us about I, it. Well, I'm being serious. What happened? I, yeah. I want to know what happened. It is serious. I was on my balcony. Uh, I was doing some paperwork. I was very busy, I, you know, my business, my financial business, I got to focus. So I was out on my balcony looking over the Ohio River. Um, you know, I have that penthouse and everything, one of the best views on, on the river, not that that matters. So I got up and I took my coffee cup and my glasses and I was going to the bedroom and you know how I wear flip-flops. I don't like to wear shoes. I only wear flip-flops or bare feet. And I tripped on my flip-flops they kind of rolled on me i had my glasses and my cup of coffee i didn't want to spill the coffee and my glasses and i don't know why i was worrying about my glasses they were my cheapest pair of glasses that i have like maui gems about 450 dollars big deal right if you break those glasses <laughs> so i trip i fall and hit my head i'm out tom i'm ko'd that's the name. That's what happened. Danae had gone grocery shopping. She comes back and sees me flat on my face. All this blood. She start. I wake up to her crying. She's on the phone with Hunter. What the hell's Hunter going to do? He's not a doctor. You know, what should I do, Hunter? Hunter says, you know, tell him to shake it off. That's what he used to tell me. You know, moving along. <laughs> and it was really, really scary. I. I it was... So you and were I'll actually you, you were actually passed out from the blow. I, I mean, was out because you're holding both of these things and you fall forward because you obviously hit yeah. your face. So it was out right. on a on a on a hardwood floor. I mean, you probably have like that, that that really fine hardwood floor kind of thing, or maybe something more elaborate. I don't know. Yeah, I do. I have like that. Um, it's kind of an old world look, but that's not what I hit. Very expensive floor, but that's not what I hit. I hit my expensive bed. And the, the post. Oh, okay. And wow. got knocked out. And here, and all kidding aside, and because I'm always joking about everything, you know, and it upsets me because that's my eighth concussion that I've had. I was sick all yesterday. And like I said, Tom, I am a gamer. And I felt so bad not going on the show. I just woke up to text you say I could not go on that show. But to have my eighth concussion, um, you know, the brain can't take that. And I need to be watched because I've taken too many hits to the head. And it's something that really, really bothers me because my short term memory is starting to go. Really? And, and I, yeah, and I, I don't like that. And I've had concussions since I was a little kid, uh, playing football, uh, a car accident, a fight, um, all these things falling off my bike. And now I just, and, and to get another concussion like this. I was sick all day yesterday. My neck is bad. 
Um, my vision's a little blurry. I'm having headaches, which I never have. And now I've got another concussion. And I'm talking about eight legit concussions. Now, the other six out of eight, I threw up. I actually threw up when I got sick um, and had the concussion. This one, I was just nauseous and, and just my vision was blurry. So I'm upset about it and I need to be more careful. You know, you, you, you we were joking around a lot at, at first here, but it, it certainly sparks a conversation. T. Higgins with the Bengals yes. uh, suffered a concussion uh, over the weekend. And, you know, when I was doing uh, the NFL every year uh, for, for, for 25 years, we would have a seminar for three days out in your old stomping ground out there in Southern California down at Palos Verdes. And, oh, nice. and yeah, it's really, I mean, it was really nice setup, the nicest setup really nice. I, I've ever been a part of. Yeah. It was beautiful. But we have this three-day seminar, and over the seminar, all the announcers come in, all the producers, all the directors, all the technical people. So, like, the Terry Bradshaws and the Howie Longs and, you know, Troy Aikmans and all those guys are sitting around in a room. And, and we have different segments, no different than, than some conference you might go to in the business world or the sales world or medical device world. Mm -hmm. and, and you'd have different segments of people that would come up and, and, and present. And the NFL basically chewed up one day on, on, on various different topics. But, 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 but one of the most interesting was this whole concussion thing. Because, yeah. you know, in my opinion, the NFL is in a very similar situation from a legal standpoint that uh, tobacco companies were in uh, for many, nice. many years ago and all those class action lawsuits and so forth, okay? Um, yes. Th th this concussion thing is a very serious topic, and you're somebody who is living through it and has lived through it and the repercussions of those things. And here you are now, a guy in your 50s, and uh, 60. 60 and you're getting worried about it. it it's a very I, I serious real issue. Well, because you don't know what the damage is until you have an autopsy, right? I, I mean, Tom, when I played football, you know, in high school and all that stuff, when you got when you had a hit to the head, you know what they used to say? Shake it off. You're all right. I've heard stories about the Bengals going back in the 70s. You know, they'd run you right back off. There was right back on the field. There was no uh concussion protocol right like they have now i just i just think it's a big deal and your comparison to the smoking industry philip morris i think is tremendous and i i think there's big issues i'm all you know the cte look at what happened to junior sale look at the durson the the, the uh, safety yeah, for david durson yep yep yeah i mean just really sad cases and if if i could say something to the parents and i know there's thousands and thousands of people watching this right now i would not have my kid play football I, I really i really think it's bad because i don't think their brain is fully developed and i could be off off target here you know i'm not no a no but here's the deal tracy okay and and, and, and here's the deal and, and i used to get into debates with with i'm not going to call them elitists but 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 some parents that you know you live in a neighborhood it's a nice neighborhood some people got some money in there oh my kids aren't going to play football you know and and, and yeah. you know and they're screaming and yelling across the country kids shouldn't be playing football and we should outlaw it and and i always look at them and i say okay i hear your argument i understand it 
But for right. you to try and make that decision for people, let's just say the kid who lives in the country who's 6'5 and 275 pounds, who's in the middle of somewhere in Ohio, and it's his only chance maybe to go to college, is to play football yeah. in high school, right? right. And the kid in the inner city, right, who, who maybe is going to a city school, let's say here in Cincinnati, where, where maybe it's some, uh, uh, at, at Taft or at Woodward or maybe in a community like Witten Woods. I mean, those kids are getting a chance that they otherwise more than likely would not get, and it comes by playing football. I know, and you can't blame them at all. And But I think you have to realize, you know, there's, there's life after sports, and the damage that's done when you're playing and getting the hits, the knocks to the head constantly – it's just tough, Tom. It, it, it really is. And I can just see, you know, Tom, I'm brilliant. I, I don't know. Very high IQ, uh, 91 on my Series 7. And I'm finding that I'm slacking off a little bit. My concentration isn't as good. Uh, I don't know if you know that I'm a little aggressive now. So there's been some changes in my behavior. <laughs> and I just worry about too many hits to the head. I, and I really, really do because, I mean, I got hit really hard really hard and what happened to me the other night scared me and i'm tough to scare but i said you know enough's enough i i need to i need to know what's around my surroundings right i mean i, I shouldn't I mean, be you've got, well you've got a lot going on i mean you've got your financial business where you know you're one of the guys one of the few guys that, that, that you know in this horrible market in this horrible economy and all this inflation, a couple of days ago, stock market drops over 1,000 points. We're being told that by spending a bunch of money, we're going to you know, help inflation. Everybody knows that's not true. Um, but you're a guy who's still finding a way to make your clients money. So you got that going on. I, I think you're a landlord, if I'm not mistaken. And, and now you're a part of this program. Yeah, I, I think just on the economy, and I'm not really allowed to talk about stocks and all that stuff. But just on the economy, you know, I think we're in for some really tough times. And I think when you shut down economies, disrupt supply chains, and hand people checks to stay home and not work, it's not all right. You know, you can't print money like they're printing and think everything's okay. The CPI came out uh, two days ago, and inflation is out of control. I know gas prices are coming down, but we're in for some tough, tough go about it. I mean... I'm very nervous, i got to be honest with you, because there's really nowhere to hide. Okay. Well, your client... But, Tom, you have, you have a lot of money, and it doesn't really really matter to you. You just put them in T-bills and just let it work. But a lot of people, a lot of ham and eggers, you know, they got to grind it out a little bit. And, and, and before you go on to something else, I, enough about me. You know, people get tired of, you know, about Tracy Jones. You know, Tracy Jones, enough for Tracy Jones. Can I pay you a compliment? You ready? Please. I never hear them from my wife. Uh, that would be great. I'd love it. Okay. okay. I used to do a show called Extra Innings. Yes, you did. And it, it was very popular. It Everybody was very was popular. You're the best host of all time of that show. And you're the best host of all time in drive time radio in this city. Um, I? When you were going to WLW. Anyway, go ahead, please. Yeah, without a doubt. But I had this skill, and I would talk about it on the air. I would, I would see something, and I'd say, this is what's going to happen, and it would happen. And I would say to people, I see things 
that you people don't see. It's an attribute, a skill that very few people have, Tom. You're, if you have it, you're very gifted. You, Tom Brenneman, have that. And let me tell you why. All last week you were talking about the Bengals and you were talking about how uh, Zach Taylor needed to play the starters during the preseason. Did you not say that? I did. You were saying it the entire week. The offensive line not playing together. Yep, yep. You said it over and over and over again. And I'm thinking, geez, Tom, give it a break. Yep. You were right on. You well, were right on. You see things that other people do not see. It's a gift that you have, Tom. And, and people need to watch you and listen to you because uh, you're a very special person. So congratulations. That offensive line, terrible. 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 I mean, they'll be, they'll be better this week, though. I, I promise you. And I do too. they're going to be a lot better this week, just having that that live action playing together. Um, they're they're going to be a lot better. I'm not worried about them. I, I want to get to a couple. Thank you for the compliment, by the way. Um, I want to get to you uh, about a couple of things that, that happened since we last got together. We touched on it a little bit. But one of the changes in baseball for next year is the elimination of the defensive shifts. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I don't understand what we're doing here. So you're rewarding a player that pulls off the ball. All he does is pull the ball. He can't hit oppo taco. And now you, you, you remove the shift Sure, that's going to, I guess, going to add a couple of hits to a ball game. But I, I just, didn't Ted Williams have a shift? Well, wait a minute it, now. Wait a minute now. I mean, you're talking about the greatest hitter of all time, okay? That's not some ham and egger that's out there grinding to try and stay in the big leagues. But the whole point is, Tom, he found a way to get through that shift. He was still going to pull the ball, but it didn't matter how many infielders they put on that, that, uh, right side he'd still find a way to hit through it I, I just don't understand i don't understand all the changes tommy i i, I don't understand what's with making the bases wider what is, what is what's that is hey, that you the know problem? what but you know what they're saying tracy this stuff has been has been pretty good uh testing it in the minor leagues i'm with you i don't know but let me ask you this because you were a really really fast guy and a base stealer uh, and an aggressive base runner, okay? Uh, if, if I'm not mistaken, the year you got hurt, you, you were leading the league in stolen bases, if I remember right. I was second. Second, okay. But I would have, right. yeah, I would have eventually led the league in stolen bases. There's no doubt. I mean, because you were getting on base all the time. You're not going to cover off the ball. You're getting on base, you're running. Okay, but here's the yeah. question I ask, and I'm being, I'm being serious about this second. A bigger base, coupled with the fact that a pitcher can only uh, throw over twice, Okay, or uh, uh, they're saying disengage with the rubber. So he actually doesn't even have to throw over. He could just step off the rubber, but it counts as one of the two. As a base stealer, now you are a terrific base stealer, but even a moderate base stealer, bigger bases, knowing the pitcher can only do that, don't you think that might lead to something we don't see in baseball anymore and that's a little more action on the base pass? How about some more stolen bases? Right. I mean, think about this, Tom. Go back to, was it 86 with the Cardinals, how they had that entire team that could run, right, except for one player, Jack Clark. 
I mean, that team was so tough to play against because every player could still. You had Vince Coleman, McGee, Tommy Hurd, Pendleton, Van Slyke. All those guys could still. All those guys can run. I just would like to get back to some of that. Instead of the whole spin to win, all about the home runs, the strikeout, put balls in play. Will bigger bases work? You know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. The pitch clock, it, what is it, 15 seconds? Yeah, or, or if there's a runner on base, it's 20. Yeah, so 15 with nobody on, 20 with a runner on base. Let me go back to something that we talked about was the lack of offense because there's not enough action in baseball. We agree with that, right? Yeah, and, and that was my next question where I was going with you because you've said we don't have enough offense, yet you are not in favor of something that theoretically – could create more offense with the shift. I, I'm more I'm more in favor of lowering the mound of something like that or even moving the mound back. And, and I'll tell you what, Tommy, and I, and I just came across a stat, and it's something that I think you and I talked about with your dad years ago about how good the bullpens are now, right? Do you remember no, that? They're, they're, yeah, they're, yeah they're, they're incredible. They're incredible. They're incredible. Yeah. You and I agreed that the, the, the offense is having trouble because the bullpens are so good. Your dad disagreed. I don't know what he said, but it really didn't matter. You and I were on the same, same we agreed on this. Do you know, since 1991, the relief pitchers that have come in have increased their velocity from 91 to 95? Yeah. And there you have it. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, and there's been talk about moving the pitcher's mound back a little bit. Um I heard uh, the voice of the Dayton Dragons gave a stat last night. He was on the radio with Lance McAllister. Uh -huh. uh, he gave a stat last night that as recently as seven years ago, every team in Major League Baseball had more hits than strikeouts. This year, 18 of the 30 have more strikeouts than base hits. That's unacceptable. I mean, how can you compare the sport of baseball to what we saw in the NFL on Sunday? Well, you right? can't. I'm a big NFL. I mean, it's totally different. I mean, so much action. And in baseball, it just, it's not the length of the game. It's what's happening in those three hours or three hours and 10 You're minutes. You're spot hey, on. And listen, the Bengal game, because I knew I was going to go on. I didn't know I was going to get an accident and, you know, hit my head and my eighth concussion. But I, I was going to talk about this on Tuesday as that Bengal game lasted three hours and 45 minutes, didn't it, buddy? Did yep. anybody complain and say, oh, this is going on forever. When's it going to end? Of course not, because there was so much action. But if a game goes over two and a half hours in baseball, goes, this is really dragging on. We got to quicken up the pace. Well, there's no question about it. And I think that is the single greatest challenge that uh, along with the fan base getting older, um, it's fascinating, Tracy, and we'll dive into this another time. But I recently did a show. It was a, a roundtable kind of show with uh, some executives, uh, former executives in Major League Baseball, along with some former players, Adam Jones, very articulate, yeah. smart guy, good guy. Good player. Uh, yeah, hell of a player. And, and talking about, uh, you know, African-American representation in, in Major League Baseball. Um, you know, it, that's it, a great it, point. When you were when you were playing, I think the population of America was somewhere around 18 uh, percent 
uh, was African American in the United States, and that was roughly right around where the the percentage was uh, of African Americans in Major League Baseball. That percentage in greater society has not changed, but now you're down in the six percent range uh, in baseball. And so some of these things you're talking about, and, and I find it interesting as I try to think of the macro and the whole thing with these rule yep. changes, okay? Okay, and, and, and you think about the athletes that baseball is not getting anymore, and they're, they're only looking at analytics and guys that can do this, 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 and this, and one of the ones that they care about is not base running and not base stealing and not hitting and running. I just wonder at the end of the day if all of these things they're trying to do, and, and God bless them for trying, but I wonder if all these things they're trying to do will add up to nothing. Well, I start thinking about all the black players or lack of black players when I played. You know, it, I, you remember Daryl Strawberry, of course, Eric Davis and Chris Brown all went to the same high school yeah. uh, in, in Southern California and all three pretty good ball players. But, Tom, I, I would disagree with you to a certain extent. Did you happen to see in the amateur draft this year, I think five out of the first eight players were African-American. Yes. yes. The, the so, last two years we started to change that. Yeah. The last two years, and I should have corrected myself, the last two years, at least as far as the draft is concerned, you're right. You're right. Right. Yeah. So well, it, we'll that's a that good sign. Time. Yeah, we'll, for we'll sure. We'll get into that another time because uh, I, I think it's a fascinating topic. And quite frankly, it's one that, that, that I, I, guilty as charged uh, with all the other things going on in sports. Uh, when I was asked to be a part of this roundtable discussion, and, and that was part of the discussion, uh, I came in pretty ignorant to that, knowing what some of those numbers are. Because at least in, in theory um, and in practice, Major League Baseball has invested billions of dollars in inner city, like the, the, the youth academy we have here in Cincinnati, and it started, I believe, out in Compton, California, out in your neck of the woods, and a whole yep. bunch of others around the country, where at least the one in here in Cincinnati, they seem like they're doing great things to me. It seems like, I think they produced their first major leaguer not too yep. long ago. Yep. And also think about the Latin America influence in the major leagues. I mean, there's a lot of academies out there in Dominican oh, Republic, man. Puerto Rico, and so yep. on and so forth, but yeah. Baseball's got to make some some adjustments. Uh, it's a lot of uh, lot to do, I think, to compare uh, as you compare it to the NFL and football. Well, I mean, they're 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 never going to be that. I mean, they, they, that's a whole different animal. Uh, but 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 let me ask you now, moving forward, what before I let you go, uh, what kind of um, do you do? Uh, can a person do nose exercises or um, uh, head exercises uh, as part see, of rehab after a fall? See, what, why do you think? You, see, you're trying to throw in humor here. I almost died, Tom. You know, that's being a heartless person. No sensitivity. You know what you should be talking about, Tom Brenneman? Is being a gamer, like my wife said. You know, the, that <laughs> I came see, in. She here. did not say that. There's no, no she way. She, well, how long have you guys been married? Well, we've been together 20 years. I've known her since she was 19. It's not 19, what I asked. You. People. It's not what I uh, asked. Been, you. How long have you been married? Well, we've been married 10 years. Okay. I dated 10 years before we got married. And I just felt after 10 years of dating, she earned the right to get married to a Major League Baseball player. I mean, 10 years is a long time to wait, ain't it? How about you and Polly? How long did you date? We dated about, uh, 
about two and a half. I, 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 you know, I, I waited a little longer than most to get married for the first time. I was 37. Now, you're happy in this marriage. I love Polly, by the way. Thank you. Um, but I just, if I could give you a piece of advice and people out there, you know, you're married the first time. You'll, I would give you advice as far as get a divorce. To get a divorce, you'll be a lot happier the second time. And I'm thinking, how happy am I going to be when I marry my third wife? Well, Done. hey, case in point, my dad. You're dialed in, okay. right? Jason Boy, my dad. Happiest guy in the world. He's on number three. Well, what's that commercial that guy does? Big Lou. He's on number two, you know, like you, whatever it might be. All right. Tracy, get uh, better, my friend. Me. God bless you. You're I hope you feel me. better and you get better. All right. Thanks, Tommy. Have a good weekend, buddy. You too. Tracy Jones, man. That good guy. I, nobody, I don't think, on the planet makes me laugh like that, dude. And I'm glad he's all right. I mean, we were joking around a lot and... um but, but you can see I, that, that was a serious uh, injury and a serious fall, and I'm glad he's okay. Um, we'll talk with Casey and, and read a little bit about some of the topics around uh, the world of sports when we come back. And coming up in about 10 minutes, uh, we're going to be joined by Chuck Martin, head football coach at Miami of Ohio, as the Red Hawks get ready to play the UC Bearcats on Saturday at Paycor Stadium. Stay with us on Off the Bench, presented by UDF. All right, welcome back to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. Uh, I, that Tracy Jones. Reed, you made the comment. Reed Mouse, you said, uh, you know, if you were one of his clients and he manages a very successful, all kidding aside, uh, financial planning business and has for many, many years, but eight concussions later? No, I if... If your money's with them, Tom, you need to get it out. That's like three <laughs> concussions too many for a financial advisor. Three too many. All right. Let's, <laughs> uh, let's, um, let's shift gears to this game tonight because the, the, the football season is now here. And, 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 you know, and, and Tracy mentioned it a couple times. And, look, you know, it, 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 it's mind-boggling to me how the NFL has become really in about the last 15 years – um, th th there's nothing in the same galaxy with football as far as the American sports fan interest in a sport. It is incredible, followed closely by college football. Uh, so you get week one, everybody's excited. Now we're getting rolling into the season, and, and now you get a game, and this is where the league is so smart, where they do their, 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 their planning. And make no mistake, television runs the league. Billions and billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars uh, coming to the league from television and, and then spread out through the teams and the players and so forth. But to have a game like this, uh, the first Thursday night game, um, I, I, I don't know. There's probably another matchup or two that would have a little more sex appeal, I guess. But, but this being a divisional game, fellas, I mean, this is as good as it gets, Casey. Yeah, I mean, Justin Herbert. Top five quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, probably a top three quarterback. Probably top three? Yeah, come on, Casey. Uh, probably? I, mean, I, I say probably. Be more assertive. Than that. Yeah, be I more say, assertive. You're be, not going to tell me you think Herbert's better than Mahomes. There's no, no, no chance no, you're going to tell no, me. No, 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 no. All right, well, who, then tell me who's better than Mahomes. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. I don't think so. All right, so and, go ahead. But you were saying, go right. ahead. And my last one, to, uh, you know, that I would put up there is – 
Joe Burrow. Yeah. But, you know. He played real well last Sunday. He did. He did. He came back, almost got them in a position to Something win. Something like that. Go on. Something like that. You know, I, I think this is actually spot on. This might be one of the best games of the year. Yeah. Um, there's nothing like uh, Arrowhead Stadium. And this is a divisional game. The new uh, edge rushers for the Chargers with Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack and just that revamped defense that they got there, finally able to kind of contest with Patrick Mahomes after he lost, <clears throat> excuse me, Tyreek Hill and, you know, uh, just the things that they're, they're still unknown. I mean, we, we saw how Patrick Mahomes did week one, but I'm still not convinced. I don't believe in the Cardinals at all. No, That defense has been ravaged after losing uh, their edge rusher. Uh, I can't remember his name. Chandler Jones. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's still up in the air for who's the better team. But on paper, when you look at this Chargers team, they, they just got stars everywhere. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's going to be one of the best games of the year. Patrick Mahomes is going to give us a show like he always does. Um, it's really going to come down for me whether or not Justin Herbert stays clean in the pocket and can make all the throws. Because just last year when it mattered most, when Herbert didn't have a clean pocket, he just struggled and yep. he didn't make it to the playoffs, lost to the Raiders. So we'll see how, how, how it all shakes out. But um, my if I had to bet right now, oh, yeah, I, give it to I, us. I, I think the, the favorites are Kansas City by five. I four. I think four. it's four. By okay. four. I would totally take the Chargers on this one. It's okay. going to be close. It's going to be a tight game. I can see it being last second field goal, you okay. know, sort of, Reed, sort of game. What, what do you think? Well, I just want to, you know, let's talk about the AFC West as a whole. Yep. Yeah. I mean, when the Raiders, who went to the postseason last year after the catastrophe they had as the, with their head coach, yep. still make the postseason, they got better yep. in the offseason, and they're probably the fourth best team in that division. That, that that division is a gauntlet, but you know, looking at the Chiefs, I feel like they get rid of Tyreek Hill. You, you're obviously high on Patrick Mahomes, as you have to be, right? I mean, he's probably the best quarterback in the league, if not. I, top, I top think three. he is, but I mean, you know, I, I can understand debates on it. Right when you go top three, or when you're at the top, people are looking for your demise. And, you know, that's just what we're seeing with Patrick Mahomes. Tyreek Hill leaves, and people are like, oh, this is when he's going to start falling off. This is when he's going to start falling off. Mm -hmm. He's still got Eric Bieniemy. He's still got Andy Reid out there. Yep. He's going to continue putting up points. I think this is still the team to beat in the AFC championship or AFC. Even with the Bills, even with the Chargers, the Bengals, all these teams, they're still at the top in my, in my mind. This game, you know, we go back to Matt Lane, who was here on the show earlier. He said, oh, we're looking for a bigger game. To He's in North Carolina, and he's a, he's a beat reporter for the, the Chiefs. He's like, I'm looking for a better game before I go out to Kansas City. What game's bigger than well, this? Well, I mean, the Buffalo game, uh, look, it's Buffalo. And, and, and that game they had last year in the conference semis uh, was one of the greatest games, I think, of sure. all time. I mean, that, that was a great game. But I, I hear what you're saying. Um, you know, I go back to Reuben Brown. The nine-time Pro Bowl offensive lineman for the mm. Buffalo Bills finished his career with, uh, with the, the Bears. He was on our program last Thursday. We were talking about this game, um, uh, the Bills game last week, to kick off the season against the Rams. And he said, I'm a show-me kind of guy. For me, Herbert's got to be a show-me kind of guy. He's got to prove to me, fellas, 
that, that, right. that he can do it. Like right. you pointed out, Casey, Reed, he's got to prove it to me that when it matters, he delivers the goods. Well, no. So there's this, you know, a bit of a rivalry between the Bengals and the Chargers right now about who's got the better quarterback. Is it Justin Herbert? Is it Joe Burrow? And the consensus almost across the board is it's probably Justin Herbert's probably played better, but Joe Burrow's the guy because he's done it. He's he showed it. And that's what you want to see out of Justin Herbert right now. You want to see him win some games. You want to see him get in the postseason. You want to see him win on Thursday night football in Arrowhead Stadium. Mm -hmm. I agree. I, I you know, he, he, the, the ceiling's very high for, for Herbert. There's no doubt about it. Um, but look, you know, and again, I, I go back to, to, to uh, our conversation with Sean Casey yesterday. Fair or unfair, guys are going to be remembered for what they do in the biggest games. That's life in sports. And so, you know, uh, there are a ton of, of Hall of Famers in every sport that have been phenomenal. Some who never got a chance to play in the postseason. You know, Ernie Banks come to mind, a lot of guys like that. So, you know, you can't get on them. They never had a chance. Sure. But then there are a lot of guys that, 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 that got the chance. And what did they do with it? Jack. And, you know, with Joe Burrow last year. You know, first full year in the league, coming back from a knee injury, and, and he, he leads his team to the Super Bowl. All right, Chuck Martin, head coach at Miami of Ohio. When we come back on Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. Big game this weekend. They play for the Victory Bell, and the game will be at Paycor Stadium at noon on Saturday. The Miami Redhawks come into town to take on the UC Bearcats, and uh, a real pleasure to be joined by the head coach at Miami of Ohio, Chuck Martin, who took over uh, after leaving as offensive coordinator uh, at Notre Dame and took over in 2014. Coach, you look like you're driving around. We're not going to cause an accident here for you, are we? I hope not. I'm not a great driver normal, so we'll see if I can <laughs> multitask here. Uh, this weekend's game, you guys uh, started your season. You, you, you played a tight one. You played Kentucky, a very good team, very, very tough. Uh, you guys were right there in it for most of the game. Uh, and then you come back and you get a win in week two. Uh, the challenge this week when facing Cincinnati is what? Um, one, they're insanely talented. They've done such a good job recruiting there. They're, they're, they were as athletic as any team in the country, as they proved a year ago. I'm sorry about screwing my camera up there. I'm actually going to pull over so I don't crash here. Um, and uh, they're very well coached. They play really, really hard. They're really disciplined. Um, so, I mean, you're playing a team that was top four in the country a year ago, gave Alabama all they could handle uh, in, in the bowl championship game. And then, obviously, they're, they're, they're a tremendously gifted football team. They're, like I said, they'll, they'll be, my prediction, they'll be in the top ten before this thing's all said and done this year, too. How do you feel about your team two weeks into the season? Yeah, really like my team. Um, the portal made it a little weird because – we're all going through bigger transitions with losing some guys and adding some guys that, you know, two, three years ago wouldn't have been the case. Um, but I really like my football team. I really like how we played against Kentucky. We went toe-to-toe -to -toe with them in the first half, and anybody that watched that game, it was a very fair fight, and they are a big physical mm -hmm. football team. Um, and, and we did, you know, we, we played them. They, their speed got us, you know, they, they got a kickoff out in space, and that'll be an issue again this week. They, 
guy got a guy got a seam and left us and uh, again just sec receiver with the ball and we couldn't run with him and he turned in a hard two-yard kickoff which was a turning play in that game um so but we really like it obviously we lost our quarterback and our left tackle and our opener for the season which i liked my team a whole lot more before sure. before that happened but that that we all go through injuries and uh we, we we've got a really solid football team and We've, you know, the nice thing for us, we play these games, we play Cincinnati's, we play Kentucky's, we're at Northwestern next week. You get a real opportunity to see what you can and can't do when you're going against that caliber competition. Coach, I got to tell you, uh, reading up on you getting ready for this interview today, um, I did not know a lot about you until starting to read about you. You are, are a guy that I would love to have come on as part of our big interview, we call it, on Wednesdays, uh, which is like a 40, 45-minute interview because y- your history as both a player when you played college, you were an All-American safety, you were also an All-Conference place kicker, you take over for Brian Kelly at Grand Valley, uh, you win two national championships, you rip off a 48-game winning streak, you go to Notre Dame. You're the offensive coordinator. You go 12-0 and that year and play in the national championship game. And now you've been at Miami for a number of years. Um, I don't think there's any doubt they have found the right guy to lead this program. How do you feel about the state of the program right now? You, you got the big win last year in the bowl game. Uh, and, and you've had at least 500, the, the COVID thing and everything. But, I mean, you, you're clearly a program on the rise in the Mid-American Conference. There's no doubt about that. Is that fair to say? Yeah, we we feel great about what we've what we've rebuilt here. Miami's got a great football tradition. So we when we took over 8 years ago, they lost 16 straight games. Uh, I always tell everybody the two years before I got here, my first two years at Miami, we were 4 and 26 in MAC play. We we were on a stretch of 30 MAC games where we won 4 out of 30 MAC games. Um, since year 3 at Miami, the last 6 years I've been here, we're 30 and 13 in the MAC, which is two games better than anybody else in the MAC. So we've had the best record in the MAC over the last six years. We won the championship in 19. Um, we were, you know, we lost by a point in overtime, or we'd have been right back in the MAC championship game in 21. We lost 48-47. We went for two, didn't get it, or we would have been 19 and 21. And you know, the COVID year, we played three games, so we didn't have yeah. much of a chance to do much so we we could have been back to back in mac championship games so yeah no we feel we're as strong as any program in the league we've built this the right way we've built this with young kids and let them grow up now with the portal that's kind of changing um you're gonna have to you know we haven't done much with transfers but when you lose some kids you got to replace them with some kids so we we kind of managed that pretty good a year ago we, we took some hits on defense um with really good players one of them we're going to play this week and yep. ivan pace was the player there was in the mac last year and now he's playing for Cincinnati this year, you know. So it's you, you. We're all going through this transition in the portal, and you know, we 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 played five defensive starters a week ago that that were transfers too to replace the Ivan Paces or the Lonnie Phelpses or or the Cam Butlers, who you know, two kids from Cincinnati, and one kid from Covington Catholic, local kids that we recruited that the Power Five did not want, and then after we were right on the recruitment they decided they do want him after all, you know, so it's, it's, you're going to have to deal with this, especially our league's going to have to deal with this and you're going to have to reload at some positions each year. And it's just the nature of the beast right now. Yeah. And, and one final thing, I mean, it's interesting. You talk about the, the, the effects of the whole transfer uh, portal. Um, and, and here you are now uh, where you're facing Ben Bryant as a quarterback. And it was last year that you're facing him when he's playing in the mid American conference. 
We faced him as a backup at Cincinnati. Then we faced him as a starter at Eastern Michigan. Then we faced him as a starter at Cincinnati. You know, so yeah. And and Ivan Pace picked off Ben Bryant yep. last year, which is unique. You know, Ivan Pace playing for Miami picked off Ben Bryant playing for Eastern Michigan. Now we're playing Ivan Pace and Ben Bryant at Cincinnati. So. <laughs> Different again. People ask like everybody has their opinion on this. Like I always say, no one asked my opinion, so I don't really care. It's they give us the rules, and we play by the rules. And the the rules are these kids can transfer wherever we want. So you you can either complain about it, whine about, it, or you can manage it. And again, did we want to lose some really good players in the portal? No, you don't want to lose really good players, but you also know that's that's an opportunity, and they 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 made that choice. So now you have to you have to try to do your own work in the portal to, to compensate for it. And we, we, we did a good year one. We did a really good job with that. Well, coach, uh, we'd love to have you back when the season's over. We'll come up and pick you up there in Oxford, bring you down here to Hamilton, Ohio and, and our studios and hang out and have a lengthy chat. Uh, good luck this weekend. I can't root for you against my Ohio university Bobcats being an OU guy. Boy, do we miss Frank Solich there? Good Lord. But um, good luck the entire season. It'll be okay. So it's tough for me because I'm a Chicago guy. I'm a Cub fan. I, I, I am an old Reds fan back in the days of the big red machine. So I was a fan of your dad. So more of my friends are excited that I've got inter- I told them that you're interviewing me today. And I have so many people in Chicago that were like, no way you're getting it. So I appreciate it. But I'd love to be back. And you don't even have to pick me up. If you have me on a slot and, and after the season, I'll I'll jog to Hamilton to hang out with you guys. I'm well, I was going to bring up the Chicago thing because uh, my sister has raised her family there, and I just love that place. And, and you know, you're a Chicago guy. I mean, you can tell by talking to you for three minutes. You're like a lot of buddies of mine that I made through the years living there. And, and best of luck to you, Coach Martin. Really appreciate your time today. I know you're very, very busy, and good luck on Saturday. Appreciate it. Thanks, Tom. Okay. Chuck Martin, head coach, Miami of Ohio. Really appreciate him taking the time to do it. It's hard to get coaches, man. It's hard. Um, you know, we, 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 we try to get, you know, the Luke Fickles of the world. Um, uh, you know, I haven't reached out to Ryan Day yet, but, but we will. And uh, these guys are just consumed 24-7 on football. So, I mean, the, the, you, know, you, you catch Chuck Martin, you catch him in his car, and uh, that was really cool of him to do it. So we're going to take a break. Do we have a cherry on top today? Oh, yeah. we do. We what do, do have one. Well, you want to go ahead and do it now? Yeah. Well, well, Let's do it now instead yeah. of taking a break. So, by the way, Tracy Jones segment is sponsored by our good friends from Encore Technologies, John Burns, Larry Shakely, and the gang, um, sponsoring our segment twice a week with Tracy Jones. Our cherry on top is presented by our title sponsor, United Dairy Farmers. Casey, what are we featuring this week? Uh, it's it's not a video this time. It's just a photo, but um, it's a it's a funny photo because um, it, it just is a little off. I'll just put it like that. Are you ready for this, Tom? Go ahead. Well, what do you notice wrong with this? <laughs> well, what's wrong with that picture? Is there something wrong with that? Oh yeah, it's the C is. Where you get a better education oh, in the Mac than that. That's the kind of stuff you get when you go. Where, where, you go where to is this? I mean, <laughs> yeah. well, wait, wait, this is obviously a, uh, I mean, duh. Right. But I mean, that's a house here locally, I'm assuming. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They had one job and they failed. You know what? Reed, that is, that is 100% right. So take the camera shot of Reed. Reed, please say that again. In, in the society we live in, what? They had one job. Right. And they failed. That's right. 
You hear coaches say all the time, Bill Belichick, the greatest pro coach of all time. Nick Saban, greatest college coach of all time. He always tells, both of them tell their players, one simple message, just do your job. It's something that we have to probably have a conversation with Casey and Reed after the show. <laughs> well, I had to fill in. I had to come off the bench. You did. For, for Seho today. You did. You did what, 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 what is he doing, by the way? Where, where is he? He is interviewing Sean Miller He's right set. now for his podcast. Wow. Oh, that's right. A mental health podcast. Mental right? health podcast. It's going to be uh, debuting um, in November. Now, Paul Fritschner has his show. Yeah. It's yeah. starting today. Uh, Reed, tell me about the show that Paul is doing. Well, you. You know, I'll let Paul Paul come on later, but it's it's a pick show. Where is he? He's, he's out there. He's out, think, he's out right? there. He's probably pretending to do work. Hey, he's Paul. Come just... here. Yeah, well, let's get, get Paul in here. Let me get Paul. Get come on here. the show, come Paul. Here. Come, come here. Come, come on, on up here a second, Paul. Tell us. Just slide on in here. Just tell us We're your live. show is starting. We're live. Tell so watch your language. Okay. Because it's <laughs> terrible out there. Um, tell us about your show starting today. Congratulations. Thank you, Tom. Tell us about it, big boy. Thank you, Tom. Uh, it'll be at 2 o'clock on Mondays and Thursdays. That's a kind of a tentative time for right now, but tentatively it'll be Mondays and Thursdays at 2 o'clock. So give us some time to have some breathing room, have some lunch here after your show is done. 2 o'clock. The idea of this show is basically going to be a Southwest Ohio sports gambling show. There are opportunities around Southwest Ohio, and you think about the lines of uh, Miami of Ohio, UC, Xavier, uh, Dayton, Wright State, when you get all these teams in college basketball, then you get in Northern Kentucky, you get into FC Cincinnati, the Reds, the Bengals, you can stretch it out, UK, Ohio State. There are so many teams around here that, quite honestly, there, there isn't a whole lot of Southwest Ohio sports-specific gambling shows around here. So we're going to do that. We're going to break down how to gamble because Sports Gambling is coming to Ohio on January 1st. So we're going to talk about that. I'll have guests on today. I have Tim Murray as my first guest, who is the 6 to 9 p.m. host of uh, VZIN with Sean King, a Super Bowl winning quarterback back from the Buccaneers yeah. on that team back when the Bucs won it in the early 2000s. So he'll, Tim will be on. Uh, it, it should be a lot of fun. Reed's going to be on on, oh, yeah. on, uh, on oh, our yeah. show, so he'll, he'll be a regular appearance on the show in the third Reed segment. Is a d degenerate gambler kind of thing. Yeah, I've been I've been wanting to talk with you about it, Tom. I heard I heard you've been gambling a little no, bit. I, I no, know one thing I'm not. I have virtually every vice there is known to man. Gambling is not one. <laughs> well, you're a better man than I. Okay. So so the show basically is going to be three segments. The opening segment is going to come out as an opportunity to talk about Southwest Ohio sports and how all those lines shake out. The middle segment will be the interview and the third segment will be with Reed and it'll be talking about just landscape, national picks, anything else that's not just Southwest Ohio. So it'll be a lot of fun. Mondays, Thursdays, first show today at two o'clock. Okay, buddy. Thank well, you, Tom. I'm happy for Appreciate you. it. I'm really happy Thank you. for you. Well deserved. One of the hardest working guys in this town, uh, going back to his days, still days at uh, Xavier. He's, he, he's done uh, play by play and done a great job. You don't throw yourself in that, that, that degenerate. Not at all. Not at all. Not very, at all. Very, I mean, that, very that, that, not at all. Game. That's a big turn. Very responsible. And I'm only saying that because I think my wife might be watching. So I've got <laughs> to I've gotta play the, the very part. Very good call. That's smart. That's, smart. I, that's why I shouldn't probably admit to having every vice known to man. Although I know there's no chance my wife is watching. So you know, <laughs> hopefully no one will, will, will share that with her. 
Fellas, great job today. Appreciate everything. Casey McAllister, Reed Mouse, we thank uh, Paul. We wish him the very, very best uh, on his show. You know what? I mean, he was a guy last week. And, you know, we're going to start having him on this pro- program, a little cross-promotion stuff. But he was the guy that said, sprinkle a little money line on the New York football giants. <laughs> and they did. beat the Tennessee Titans. Big day tomorrow on Off the Bench. Big day. All our picks, all football prep, we are ready to roll. Have a great Thursday. We'll see you tomorrow.